This week's parsha, parsha the Spayigash, between Hamishi and Shishi, Torah lists the names of the 70 souls who came down to Mitzrayim. Torah lists them all. The shortest Pusik in that whole narrative is a three-word Pusik. And that's the three words that we're going to be discussing tonight. The Torah says, it lists all the sons of the different Shvatim, the different sons of Jacob. And then it says, Ubenei <coughs> Don Chushim. And the sons of Don were Chushim. And it lists one son. Those are the three words we're going to be discussing tonight. I would just be curious if I could see a show of hands. Has anybody heard of Chushim ben Don before? You have, okay? So I'm happy that only a few of you know this, so know about him. So that to many of you, this may be the first time that you're being exposed to this name. And we're going to learn some interesting things, hopefully, about this. His name. <coughs> Before we get to discuss who Chushim was, the first obvious question is, if there's only one son, why do you say B'nai? B'nai is the plural. B'nai is Bonim Shel, the sons of. If he only had one son, it should have said Ben Don Chushim. Obvious question. So, there are some simple answers given and some more complex answers given. One simple answer is that the Torah wants to be consistent, since by all the other Shvatim, it uses the plural, because indeed, he, th those other Shvatim did have multiple sons. So therefore, since by all the others it says B'nai, so it says B'nai by Don also, even though he only had one. The English translations, the Art Scroll and the Living Torah and, and, and some of the others, they have an interesting way of translating the Pusik. They, they write the sons of Don, then with a colon, as if they're now going to say who the sons of Don were, and then it says Chushim. So he only had, it's listing the sons, but he only had one son. So that's again a way that they get around the problem. <coughs> but actually, if you look throughout Tanakh, Torah, Nevi'im, and Kesuvim, Believe it or not, there are 11 such instances when the person only had one child and yet it uses the plural. Or even in the case of the daughter, Dina, it says, it says, Bonov Ubinosov, his sons and his daughters, and yet it only has Dina. So again, but there are 11 such instances through Adivri Hayomim and other places where, so to list the only one son, after using the plural, is not <coughs> only by Chushim. It's true of, as I said, so many other places. Mm -hmm. So that now becomes the way of the Torah. 
The Torah doesn't always have to follow what we'll call grammatical rules. It's more of a poetic way of saying the sons of, even though there may have only had been one son. Okay. <clears throat> Other Mepharshim say that no. <coughs> the reason why he uses the plural is because Don originally had other sons. According to Ibn Ezra, he had one other son. According to others, he had four other sons. <clears throat> Different versions as to what his other children were. But they never made it down to Egypt. They died before they came to Egypt. Since we're listing the ones who made it to Egypt, so it's as if the Torah was saying, from all the sons of Don, only Hushim came down. But again, that justifies using the plural, even though there's only one now. Okay. <clears throat> it's interesting, the uh, living Torah, he says that there was a total of five sons. And what were the names of the other four? So he even has a medrash that says what their names were. Two of them were unfamiliar to me. But one of the sons of Don, who did not come down, his name was Shlomo. <laughs> I thought everybody came down. Everybody came down? Yeah, Seventy people that, came down. There were more than 70? Yes. Okay, I yes, know. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. And their wives. The wives are now listed. <coughs> there were a lot more than 70, but the 70 we've discussed are the ones that are listed. Mm. Okay. So therefore, one of the sons who died, his name was Shlomo, and one of the other sons who died, his name was Shimon. Again, we would never have thought that that name would appear more than once, but it does. Okay. But others want to say a little different. And this brings to the subject about what the name Hushim means. Hushim is a plural form. What are Hushim? Literally, Hushim means reeds or rushes. You've heard of the bull rushes. So rushes that grow by the waterside or reeds. They grow in bunches. So his name, Hushim, has something to do with bunches. And one of the meanings is that even though he was only one son, again, there are differences of opinion. Did Don have more than one son? But according to him, he only had one son. He had one son. His name was Hushim. But the reason why it's appropriate to say B'nai, the sons of Don, is because Hushim, although he was just one son, he, in turn, had many children. Later on, there's a Pasuk that says, in the Divriyayama, I believe, that says that Hushim's family numbered, I have the number here somewhere, 64,400 descendants. So obviously, even though he was just one, but he, in turn, had, he got married and had children and children's children and so on until this vast number. So therefore, it's perfectly appropriate to say B'nai Don, Chushim, because from Chushim, many, many sons came out. These are, again, the different uh, interpretations of the word B'nai. So that's the first thing, whenever you read this Pasuk, first thing that hits you. It says the plural B'nai, yet there's only one. Okay. Now we get to the name Chushim. What does the word Chushim mean? If it's the plural, so it has to do with Chosh. What does chosh mean? So we said one interpretation was, as we said, that it meant reeds, that his name was chushim, because just like reeds on the bottom, they all stem out of one root, but yet when they, come, when they grow up and come to the surface, now they spread out. 
and each reed in turn has many leaves. So when you see a bunch of reeds growing by the water, it's really down below, it's only one, but yet it has grown into this large plant. That's the same way with Hushim, same thing. Hushim was only one, but yet he grew into a large uh, number of people. So the word Hushim, according to this interpretation, means reeds or bushes or rushes and so on. That's one interpretation of the word Hushim. Okay. But there's other meanings to the word Hushim as well. For instance, later on, we're going to learn about <coughs> when the Bnei Yisrael, we're going to come into Eretz Yisrael, that we're going to conquer the land. So you may recall, there were the Bnei God and the Bnei Ruvain, and half of the Shevet of Manasseh, they didn't want to conquer Israel. They were very happy to be in Transjordan. Mikne Rav, they had a lot of cattle, and then Israel is a relatively small land, and they, they needed a lot more grazing area. So they said, we're not going to go into Israel. You, you want Israel? You fight for it. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them, no. We'll give you the land on Transjordan, but first you have to fight with us. You help us fight, then you'll get the land. If not, you won't. So what did the Bnei God and Bnei Geruven say? Those are the same words. Same word, chushim. We will arm ourselves chushim, swiftly. Chushim means hurriedly. For instance, the expression even in Hebrew today, chish maher, you may have heard this. Hurry up, quickly, quickly. Maher, we know, means quickly, swiftly. Chish means the same thing. So chish maher means swiftly, swiftly. Chushim. So he was called chushim. Why? Because he was a swift one. What does that mean? What was, what was so special? Was he a fast runner? Is that what it means? He was swift? The answer is yes. He was swift. And this has to do with a story that the Medrash says. We read, we will read, that when Yosef arrests Binyamin. So the Medrash says, Yehuda, who was nearby, roared. Yehuda roars like a lion. Gur Aryeh Yehuda. Yehuda is, he roars like a lion. So it says that when Yehuda found out that Binyamin had been arrested, it said he roared so loud that even in Israel, and even in Eretz Canaan, they heard it. Who heard it the most? Who was the one who was taken aback by that roar? The Medrash says, Chushim. Chushim. And it's interesting. Chushim and Yehuda share certain common traits. There's a Pasuk that says, Don Gur Aryeh. When Moshe Rabbeinu was on his deathbed and he was blessing all the tribes, similar to when Yaakov Avinu was on his deathbed, and th their brachos parallel each other and sometimes they're different, but the same idea, when Moshe Rabbeinu on his deathbed was blessing the tribe of Don, he used the same term that Yaakov had used for Yehuda. 
Gur Arye, a lion whelp, a lion who roars. So Don had that same attribute. Yes? He said, he said Cushim heard the roar. I thought Cushim was deaf. I'm just going to get to that. Very good. Very good. Good. Okay. <laughs> So before when I asked, did you hear about Chushim, I didn't see you raise your hand. <laughs> I didn't see you. Okay, good, good. The Medrash says, to show you how loud the roar of Yehuda must have been, even Chushim heard it. Chushim was deaf. So a deaf person can have son if it's very loud, just like if someone is very hard of hearing, so if you, you speak louder, or he somehow amplifies his, his hearing, he's able to hear. So here the loud, the roar was so loud that even deaf Hushim was able to hear it. So the Medrash says that Hushim was so taken aback that he swiftly ran down to Mitzrayim to join Yehuda in this outcry of the fact that Binyamin has been arrested. That's what it says. Okay. The Eitz Yosef, which is a Pirish on the Medrash, says something very interesting. It says that not only was Chushim fleet of foot, that he was able to rush quickly, but it says he also had Kefitzas Haderech. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Kefitza really means to dance, to jump, right? Kefitzas Haderech means to jump on the way. It's been told of other tzaddikim, that when they would travel, so Hashem would make a miracle. And a, let's say a, a journey which normally would take an average person three days to make, because their time was so precious, they would have kefitza saderech, and they would arrive in one day. They would arrive in, 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 in two hours. Kefitza saderech, that's what it's called. When people tell me, yeah, they make it to New York in an hour and ten minutes. So. <laughs> I said, yeah, you have pizza saderech. Yeah, okay. You can get a ticket for that. But that's something else. So in any event, so pizza saderech means that. So the Eitz Yosef says that Chushim had pizza saderech, that he was able to go from Israel to Egypt in a short amount of time. doesn't say how short. But he says he had pizza saderech. He says, like Shar Kedoshe Elyon. Like other holy peoples on high. In other words, there seems to be that even then there was this concept that a tzaddik has kfitzas haderach, that he's able to, um, shall we say, uh, make the same trip in a lot less time than an average person would take. And this person, this chushim, had kfitzas haderach like kedoshe elion. So now we're ready. This is the first description that we're having of chushim as being a righteous person. Not everybody is, uh, merits to have kvitsa uh, saderach, to make a trip in half the time that would normally take. But he did. So that's the reason why prophetically he was named Chushim. Again, his parents, Don and uh, his wife, named their child, uh, that would have been uh, Billa, right? Uh, Don was Billah's son. So whoever Don's wife was, they, when they had the baby boy, they named him Hushim either prophetically because he's going to be like a reed where one boy is going to grow into thousands and thousands of descendants or prophetically they named him Hushim because he would have that ability to be Chish, that he would have the ability to run swiftly. So again, that's reflecting the view of the, this Medrash that Hushim had this ability to... Uh, to go quickly. Okay. 
<coughs> There's a Pasuk in Eov also that ties Chushim with Yehuda. The Pasuk says, Shagas Aryeh V'kol Shachal. Shachal is also a lion whelp. So the, the roar of the lion and the sound coming from the, the lion cub. So the Medrash says, Shagas Aryeh Ze Yehuda. So the Medrash is recognizing again this connection between Yehuda and Chushim. There's an interesting statement that the Sefer Yitore Torah brings. He says that when Mashiach is going to come, Hashem soon, so we know the Mashiach. There's two, there's Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. Concentrating on the Mashiach ben David, David, we know, was a descendant of Yehuda, right? Boaz, all comes from that, uh, that same Mishpacha. The Mashiach comes from Yehuda. So he says something that I was not able, I tried to research it, I was not able to find any source for this. But he says that when Mashiach is going to come, he's going to have an attendant, like a shamus, somebody that's going to be together with him. He says his name is Saroya. Has anybody heard of this before? To me it was news. And Sefer says that Saroya is a descendant of Chushan ben Don. So when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a descendant of Yehuda plus a descendant of Chushim. Again, showing another connection between the two. <clears throat> another explanation for the name Chushim. We said already two. Chushim from the word uh, reads, and Chushim from Chishmaher, quick. He was swift, and so on. There's another meaning of the word Chosh. The Gemara says, Chosh Barosho Yasok Batora. If you have a headache, learn Torah. Chosh Bemeav, you have a stomachache, Yasok Batora. This is the Gemara says that the learning Torah is a good remedy, and in many cases that's true. You get your mind off it, you relax, it, it takes away the tension, and it can relax you. When I was in Yeshiva, so the Rosh Yeshiva used to say something a little differently. He used to say, uh, specifically about Chosh Barosho, it says if you have a headache, you should study Torah. He says, why? Why does it say that? He says, because it's only when a person has a headache do they realize that they have a head. Most of the time you go through life, you don't think about those limbs that don't hurt you, you don't think about, you take it for granted. It's when you get a headache, then you realize you have a head. Oh, I have a head. Why did God give me a head? You must be a reason. Oh, Yasak Torah. That's why he gave you a head. What he would do, I've always had the question, what's he going to do about the stomachache? This I don't know. I never asked him. But I've, it's 50 years I've been walking around with this question. What's he going to do with the other aches? But at least on the headache, he had an ice interpretation. So anyway, so you see that the word chosh means to be, literal word means to be weak. It may be related to cholash, you know, to, like in Yiddish you say chaloshin, which means to faint, to be weak. Cholash can also mean to be faint. So whether chosh is related to cholash, I don't know. But anyway, in that sense, cholash means, though, that uh, to be weak. So, 
Unfortunately, although we said that Hushim personally was, according to the, the ACO safe, was, was a Kedosh Elyon, he was a holy person, and he had certain schusim, we're going to discuss other things that are unique about him. Nevertheless, the Shevet of Don had a particular propensity for Avodah Zorah. They were criticized for it. Because, again, whatever the circumstances were, but that's what led to uh, Avodah Zorah. So therefore, so on one hand, so because, again, prophetically, although Chushim, it's not, uh, it's not a compliment, nevertheless, the Yipirish Marzu says this on the Medrash, that the reason why he was called Chushim was because his descendants would be harsh, they would be weak in their amuna. The person's weak in their amuna, so then they're attracted to other gods, to other religions, and so on. <coughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. But 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 the only way that one can justify that is if a person's aware of a, a built-in problem that they have, so then they'll take the steps to to overcome it. Okay, to ward off the Yitzhahara, the, the Satan, yes, all true. Okay. There's an interesting Pasik. I wrote down where and I can't read my writing. I'm sorry. Um, in, there's a Pasik that says, Ela b'nei don lemishpachas and says, Lushucham. These are the sons of Don. And then it says, the Mishpach of Shucham. Now, we just said before that the only one son that Don had, his name was Hushim. So others want to say, it's the same man. You take the letters Hushim and you mix them around. One is a Vav and one is a Yud, but that too. A, a, a Yud is just a shortened Vav, really. So the word Hushim is really the same thing as Shucham. And in fact, it's that Pasik that says that the family of Shucham, they numbered, as I said, 64,400. This is in, I guess, Divrei Ayomim that says this. So therefore, again, just what the name, trying to show you what his name is, his name is Hushim. Okay. Besides the, the listing of the families, of the descendants of Yaakov in our Parsha, we're only 70. If you look in chronic, Chronicles 1 and 2, but specifically in 1, Divrei Hayomim, it's the last Sefer in, Tana, in Tanakh. There, it also lists the families. It lists all the children of Binyamin, all the families of Naphtali, etc., etc. There's no mention of the family of Don. No, it's not mentioned. So the question is, why not? Why is it left out? He had one son. Okay, first of all, he had one son. And from that one son came thousands of uh, descendants. So if you're listing all the others, why are you not listing the family of Don? That's the obvious question. So there are two ways how they sort of get around it, how they show that Don is really referred to. Listen to this. It gives a whole list of Binyamin's children. Yemen had a lot of sons, so on. List them all. Then at the very end, it says, 
the last son, it says, Chushim ben Acher. So list Chushim ben Acher. What does the word Acher mean? Acher means the other. You may be familiar that there was a famous man in history, Acher. He was nicknamed Acher. The Tana, the holy Tana, Alisha ben Avuya. He's even listed in Pirkei Avos, quoted. That Alisha ben Avuya later turned bad. And therefore, they didn't want to call him by name anymore. So they called him Acher, the other one. They didn't want to, they didn't want to say his name. Okay. So that means that if there's a problem, you want to avoid saying the name. So therefore, at the end of the list of Binyamin, after it lists all his descendants, it says, Chushim ben Acher. That would mean, since as we said before, the Shevet of Don had a propensity for Avoid Zorah. So therefore, we don't want to list Don by name. So we call him Chushim, but it's the same Chushim. So he is listed, Chushim ben Acher, which really means Chushim ben Don. Okay. A second way they get around this, so to speak, is you take a look at when it lists the children of Naphtali. We know that Don and Naphtali, they were the children of Bilhah, right? So they go together, Don and Naphtali. They're full brothers. Okay. So it says, it doesn't say the children of Don, but it says, B'nai Naphtali. And then, it, it's, in fact, it says later on, um, it uses B'nai Bilah. It says, it says, this is the family of Naphtali. B'nai Bilah. Naphtali, the son of Bilah. But using again the B'nai, the plural. So either you could say, well, just like by Don, that one son, it refers to him as B'nai. The same way, if we're referring to Naphtali, the son of Bilah, we say B'nai Bilah, but we really only mean one. But according to others, you don't have to say that. B'nai Bilah means the sons of Bilah. Bilah had two sons. One of them was Don. So even though his children are not listed, but it's not as if Don was not uh, recognized. There was a Don, and he had family too. And that's why the Torah uses the term B'nai Bilah, because it's a reference to the other son, namely um, <coughs> referring to Chushim, the son of Don. Okay. We mentioned before that Hushim was deaf. Hard of hearing. This hard of hearing plays a role, a very big role, in probably the one incident that Hushim is most famous for. Some of you may be familiar with the story. <coughs> Gemara and Sota tells the following story. <coughs> When Yaakov Avinu died, so it was time to bury him. Where were they going to bury him? In Ma'arasamach Pela. You've been to Hebron, those of you, you know that that's where our others are, are buried. Adam and Chava, Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, and who else is there? Yaakov and Leah. We know Rachel is buried in Beislechem. So now, that grave where they wanted to bury Yaakov, the children of Esau said, no, no. 
we're, we're two brothers, Esau and Yaakov. And as part of the whole deal, I'm supposed to get the burial place. Well, you want to bury Yaakov, that really belongs to me. The sons of Esau claim that. They still are. What's that? They still are. So the B'nai Yaakov said, no, but we, we bought it. Yes, it was supposed to go to you, but we bought it. So the B'nai Yaakov said, show me documentation. Prove it. So they said, no, you left it in Egypt. Remember, they had come up from Egypt to bury Yaakov in Marsamach Bela. We didn't take the document with us. We didn't know we were going to need it. So they said, somebody should go to get the document. So they sent Naftali. Naftali is Ayola Shalucha. He's swift of feet. He's like a deer. And therefore, deers run fast. And therefore, they sent Naftali down. Obvious question, they could have sent Hushim. We said before his name was Hushim because he was swift. He was the fast one. But if he's deaf, maybe he's not the one to send on such a mission. He may not hear. There may be some problems in the street if you can't hear. You know, you can't drive if you can't hear. Somebody's honking. You, it's dangerous. So maybe that's why they didn't send him then. Regardless, they sent Naftali. But again, Hushim was deaf. So when he's the one who said, I don't understand. Why aren't we burying Yaakov? His, his body's here. And what's this whole commotion about? What, 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 how long is this going to go on? Again, because he was hard of hearing, he didn't know about that the ace of that. Uh, the, no, we have to wait because we want to bring the documentation so everything should be legal above board and so on. So, uh, nah, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? So he says he took a stick, he took a knife, and he chopped off Asaph's head. Okay. And Asaph's head rolled into the Marasamach Pele. So, if you're asked, how many people are buried in Marasamach Pela? So you could say, well, there's eight full bodies, but there's also the head of Esav there. According to another version, it wasn't his, it wasn't his head, but his eyes. His eyes popped out, and his eyes rolled into the grave, and so on. Regardless. So, Chushim is most famous for that. He was the one who did not want to stand by while his grandfather was just laying there. And it's, it's, it's not a covet. It's not proper. It's not proper respect. So that's why he was famous for that. On this Gemara, there's a very interesting point made by Rabbi Shmulevitz, Rosh Hashiva of Mir. He has a very interesting question. He says, you're talking about righteous people here. And why only did Chushim who was deaf, who was not aware of, of the controversy, he was the one who said, how long are we going to stand around and our grandfather is laying there and nobody's burying him? From everybody else. How come no one else raised their voice? That's a very good question. And he says something interesting. He says, because when you get used to something, you learn to live with it. And you no longer are impressed by it. They, they were all capable of hearing. So they heard, they heard the, the sons of Esau, the family of Esau, claiming that they have a, a proper taina. They heard this. They were exposed to it time and time again. When you're exposed to something, you lose the, the, the freshness, you lose the, the uh, impression that it would make. Hushim, he couldn't hear. He, he, he was not 
brought up, or he wasn't accustomed is what I mean. He was not accustomed to their, the claims of the B'nai Yisov, that they have a right to that burial place. To him it was all new. He just knew one thing. His grandfather's laying there, nobody's doing anything. So he was a man of action, and he went ahead and he did what he did. So Rabbi Shmulevis is trying to caution us about the dangers of what's called hergal, getting used to something. It has to be fresh. Torah has to be fresh every day. But if we do things just out of regilus, and the English word regular, it comes from the same rogil, comes from the same thing. If you're doing something just out of, you're used to doing it, it's by regular routine. I get up every morning, I daven, I, whatever I do, but it's with a regilus, that's you have to be afraid of that. Just as an aside, it's, uh, it's no longer Hanukkah, it's no longer Zeus Hanukkah, but now it's Ois Hanukkah. Hanukkah is out. Nevertheless, there are those who want to interpret and say that that's even true about something that the Gemara says. The Gemara says that what is the latest that you can light the menorah? You're away on a business trip, you come home, and it's 11 o'clock at night, you haven't lit the menorah yet. Can you still light the menorah with a bracha? So the Gemara says it depends. As long as there are people walking in the street, you can light because they're still going to be presumenisa. The purpose is to advertise the nace. If there's nobody in the street, nobody's going to see a menorah, so then you don't light anymore. Okay. So that's the simple meaning. When the foot, meaning the foot of people, will end from the street or from the marketplace. But there's a Hasidic, the, the, the Gera Rebbe said, it can have another interpretation. Tichla regel, regel comes from the word hergel, the regularity, the, the habitualness, the fact that you're doing it by habit. Menorah means the message of the menorah has to be that everything is new, everything is a miracle, everything every day is a new thing. Hashem is machadesh every day, my separatious. So therefore, you have to learn the lesson of, of the menorah until you'll end your regilos, until you'll end your doing things out of rote, from the street and so on. And do, do it because of a newness of a freshness. So therefore, that was his interpretation of why Chushim was sensitive to the uh, lack of respect for the body of Yo- Yaakov and nobody else was. Because they suffered from this hergel. So <clears throat> There's a Medrash Rabbah that's fascinating. The Medrash Rabbah says that Rav Meir, the famous Rav Meir, just as an aside, he was the student of Acher, right? He was a student of Revelation Ben Abuya, right? So then, and he continued to learn from him. So he says, yeah, but he's now an apostate. He went sour. How can you learn from him? So he says, it's like eating a fruit. I throw away the pit, I throw away, I mean, the, the, she, the shell, the peel, and I eat the fruit. The same way here, too. I, I reject his teachings, but I still learn from him. All right. Whether you're allowed to do that today or not is a different question, regardless. But that was Rav Meir. So the Medrash Rabbah says that Rav Meir had a Sefer Torah, and in his Sefer Torah was written, Uben Don Chushim. Ben, one. Now, if today we would have a Sefer Torah that said Ben Don Chushim, Sefer Torah would be puzzle. We would have to put the girdle around it and put it away and get another Sefer Torah. Because. <laughs> 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 What's your question? Couldn't you fix the towel? If it happens to be wrong? 
Right now it's puzzle, it's Shabbos. Right okay. It's Shabbos. What do you do with it now? Yeah. Okay. So his Sefer Torah said, Uben Don Chushim. What does this mean? He had a puzzle of Sefer Torah? He had a different Torah than everybody else? <coughs> Memish Rabbah, 84.9. Okay. <clears throat> Bracious Rabbah, Pei Dalet, Tess. What does this mean? So I saw in the Torah Torah, he says a different shot. He says it doesn't mean it literally. It doesn't mean that. That his Sefer Torah said then done. No. Couldn't be. What it means is, and we say in his Sefer Torah, that means in Rav Meir's approach to Chushim, it was Ben Don. He was one son of Don. What does this mean? There's a major question in learning the Torah. This Parsha says that there were 70 souls that went down to Egypt. When you count them, they only add up to 69. Take out a safer and count them. It's 69. Yet it says 70. So the most famous answer to the question is, does anybody want to say? Some One measure says Hashem was counted as one. Is anybody else? Yochevet. Anybody else besides Yochevet? Say? Some say Yaakov. Okay, very good. Right. So these are different Midrashim. Some say it's a reference to Osnas. Some say it's a reference to Serach. There are... Okay. I'm sorry? I can't hear you. Who's Osnas? Who is Osnas? Osnas was the person Yosef married. The daughter of... The wife of, uh, of, of Paro, Bospelzifar, and the mother's name was Zlecha. Okay. That's who Osnas was. So there are many p- questions as to who was the 70th. But we're just going to concentrate on the main medrash that says it was Yochevet, plus another medrash that says that the 70th was Chushim. There's a very big problem with that. How could the 70th be Chushim when Chushim was one of the 69? Okay. So that's going to be dependent upon the following. The only way you can count Yochevet as the 70th person, because the Torah is listing the 69, it's listing the people who were coming down. It says that Yochevet was born Ben Achomos. As soon as they crossed the, the outer wall, coming into uh, Eretz Yisrael, or coming into Mitzrayim, excuse me, and coming into Mitzrayim, so she was born in the, the carriage, I guess, to a mother. She was born. And so that's why, as far as entering Israel, there were 70. But coming down to Egypt, I mean, right, there was only 69. Okay. So that's one medrash that counts Yochevet as the 70th. Okay. The only way you can count Yochevet as the 70th is if you consider a fetus to be a separate entity. If you consider the fetus to be part of the mother, just like another limb of the mother, 
So just like when the mother comes down, you don't say, well, one hand counts as one and the other hand counts as another. The same way a baby that she's carrying is part of her. It still counts as one. Okay. And this is actually a very big question in halacha. In Hebrew it's called uber yerech imohu or uber lav yerech imohu. Is the uber, is the fetus like the thigh of the mother? Meaning another body part? which would mean that it's really part of the mother and it only counts as one. Uber lav yerech imahu. An uber, a fetus, is not a, a limb of the mother. It's a separate entity. Okay? And this can have different halachic ramifications. We won't get into that now. But here is a s- simple ramification. You can only count Yocheved as, as the 70th if you say she was not part of her mother. Right? So he had 69, plus Yochevet was the 70th. If, however, when she came down to Egypt, she was inside her mother, she's counted as her mother, so then you can't count her as, a 60, as the 70th. You only got 69. If you can't count Yochevet as the 70th, then the other Medrash says, you count Chushim as the 70th. I, how could Chushim be counted as the 70th when you said already before he was one of the 69? The answer is, it says, B'nai Chushim. The B'nai Don Chushim. Chushim counts as two. He's taking the words literally. This is the Medrash. Counting the words. B'nai Chushim. B'nai Don Chushim. Don had Bonim. He had two sons. There's only one body. He had one baby named Chushim. But he counts as two. So again, the Medrash that says that Chushim was the 70th is because he's counting Chushim as two. He was one of the 69, and he also counts as two because the Torah says B'nai, the sons of, means he counts as two for whatever reason. He, why should he count for two and not everybody else? For whatever reason. But the Torah calls him B'nai, so that means two. Plural is two. Why Rav Meir? Why Rav Meir? The standard answer that the, of the Medrash, that Yocheved was the 70th, that's because the prevailing opinion is that a fetus is, <coughs> is not part of the mother. And if the fetus is not part of the mother, it can count as a separate entity. And that's why the main Medrash says that it was Yocheved was the 70th. But let's look through Shas. What does Rav Meir hold? Rav Meir is the one who says He says that a fetus is part of the mother So Rav Meir according to his opinion that the fetus does not count as a separate entity I said no, it's just the opposite he, in, in it's just the opposite We paskin uber lav it's a, it can count, it's not part of the mother. So we say it counts as a separate entity. However, Rameyer, who will say, it's part of the mother. If it's part of the mother, then it does not count. So according to him, he has to say that what? That, uh, say again, I got it confused, I'm sorry. Rameyer says, Ben, Rameyer's Sefer Torah, meaning Rameyer's view is that. Chushim is only one. If Chushim is only one, that means Yochevet has to be the 70th. I'm sorry, I got it confused. Which is good. On Shabbos, hopefully I'll have it straight when I give the class again. 
we paskin that the, the fetus is part of the mother. So if the fetus is part of the mother, so it can't count. And that's why Hushim has to count as two. But the mayor is the one who says, that the baby does not count, is not part of the mother, counts separately. So then Hushim can only be one. And that's why in his Sefer Torah, it counts as only Ben. Only okay, just going to end with one last thing. And that is a very interesting gematria. There's a very famous Chazal that's quoted. It was quoted not too long ago when they had this Shabbos of observance. It started in South Africa and they try to spread all over the world that people should observe a Shabbos and so on. And it says that if people would observe one Shabbos, one place that says one Shabbos and the place that says two Shabbosim, what would happen? Mashiach would come. They would be redeemed, meaning Mashiach would come. So there is a connection between Shmira Shabbos and Mashiach coming. So in a Sefer, he says the following. This is, this is a remez to this, is in the passage that we've been discussing. B'nai Chushim, excuse me, B'nai Don Chushim. The sons of Don were who? Chushim. <coughs> Take the word Shabbos. Shabbos, what's the gematria of Shabbos? What's the numerical value of Shabbos? I'll just tell you. It's the shin is 300, and the base is 2, and the suf is 400. 702. Okay. You may not know this, but 702, is how you get that when you multiply 27 by 26. Trust me. 26 is Hashem's name. Yud Hey Vav Hey. 26. That means that <clears throat> if you have the number 27, 27 times Hashem's name, you're going to have 702. So that's the key here. You have to have 27 times 26. That's Shabbos. A Shabbos consists of the 702 is 27 times 26. If you keep two Shabbosim, how many times 26 do you have? Twice 27, 54. Okay. So that means that if you keep two Shabbosim, you're going to have 54 times Hashem's name. Okay. What does the Pusik say? B'nai Don. B'nai Don, the sons of Don. What is the gematria of Don? 54. So the B'nai Don is another way of saying the people, the people who keep the 54. What is the 54 in quotation marks? The two Shabbosim. B'nai Don, if you observe two Shabbosim, which is going to be twice 50, 54 times Hashem's name, What's, what's the next word? Chushim. Chushim is spelled without a vav. It's just ches, shin, yud, mem. Scramble those letters and what do you get? Mashiach. The nei don, chushim. You'll be zarech and Mashiach will come. We'll stop here.